The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, did you know that one in four people in Ireland are living with some form of arthritis? Today marks World Arthritis Day, which aims to highlight the disease's prevalence, as well as services available to those who suffer from it. Now, joining me is Peter Boyd of Arthritis Ireland, whose rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis happened at the age of 27 when it turned his life upside down. And we're also joined by Dr. John Stack, consultant rheumatologist at the Matter Hospital in Dublin. A good morning and welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. Peter, let's start off with you. Um, I mean, you were fit as a flea, uh, not a bother in the world. What happened? Yeah, I was. I, I was really burning the candle at both ends, to be honest, uh, Pat. I was working in a bar. I was getting up early in the morning. I was training, playing football. Um, really, I was I was fit as a flea. Um, and I began to experience a lot of pain, uh, a lot of fatigue, um, and really struggled to continue in the job that I was doing at the time. Now, what did you put it down to? Like I, overdoing the sport? or Pretty much, yeah. I, I, as I say, I was working in a bar, so it was long hours on my feet, a lot of lifting and carrying and, and things like that. And then I was training uh, pretty pretty hard at the same time. So I just put it down to, to overexertion and, and just being a bit tired. Uh, but things really came to a head when I couldn't take in deliveries in the the bar anymore. Um, I couldn't lift anything. I struggled to bend down to the bottom shelf to pick up bottles. Um, what, the knee joints or? My knees and my hips yeah. were, the, fir- were yeah. the first ones to really show themselves. But also my shoulders, when I went to lift anything, I found that I didn't have the strength anymore to, to carry uh, what, I, yeah. what I needed to in my job. Then all of this was bringing on this profound exhaustion. Is it true that you fell asleep? talking to a customer. It is indeed, yes. Yeah, I was, uh, we're, we're talking about rugby uh, and uh, we had a very busy uh, Leinster rugby match in the pub that I worked in uh, in the afternoon and later that evening I was talking to two regulars leaning on the bar taps as most barmen will do at some point and in the middle of a conversation I fell asleep. Uh, and that was uh, that's extraordinary it's a, it's a pretty obvious sign that something was seriously wrong. Mm. Um, for the previous two months I had been lowering the windows and cranking up the CD to drive home from work at four in the morning so that I wouldn't fall asleep. Um, very dangerous. But again, the nature of the job you're doing, you're thinking, maybe I'm not really a night bird, maybe I'm better off doing morning work because I'm always exhausted coming home. Yeah. But it wasn't It wasn't just work fatigue. No, it wasn't at all. It was It was the crushing fatigue of, of the pain and the discomfort that I was going through that built up and built up. And after that night, uh, obviously my manager saw me and, and we agreed that I would take two weeks off work um, back in 2011. And uh, unfortunately, I never went back to, to bar yeah. work. Uh, but they were that. understanding of, of your situation. They just thought you were knackered. They, they thought uh, uh, that I needed two weeks to rest, to recuperate, find, find something through it. I'd been through a barrage test in the meantime over the previous eight or nine months uh, with the symptoms that I was experiencing. And we couldn't put, myself and my doctor couldn't put a finger on what exactly was happening. And so you're going here, there and yon trying to get a diagnosis. Absolutely. And that's the case for so many people who are diagnosed with arthritis. We're trying to find out what is what is happening to our bodies. Uh, it's a scary time. Um, I was particularly worried because we couldn't put our fingers on what was happening. And uh, it, it really got me anxious about what could be happening. Yeah. And so when during those two weeks and, and, and uh, months afterwards, I actually was diagnosed with, with arthritis, in one sense, it was a relief to be told yeah. that this is what I had, but also it was a, it was a crushing blow uh, because I now had a chronic condition that I knew nothing about. 
um, and I had to find out a way of uh, dealing with this condition that had imp- that was going to impact on my life. Now, it turned your life upside down. I mean, you dropped your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't drop you, you dropped her. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't want to see myself as a burden. Uh, that's all I could imagine as my future would be a burden to, to anyone that was in my life, my, my partner, my family, uh, anyone that was, was unlucky enough to be associated with me would, would see and, me as a burden. And you've no income, so the car has to go. The car has to go. I was worried about losing my home. I bought my first home at 24. Um, I was very lucky to be able Try to that these, these days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's impossible. Uh, but I was very fortunate to be have a, been able to do that. Um, and I, I lost everything. I lost my, my job, my career, my my financial independence, my independence uh, itself, all my social life, my friends. I certainly found out who, who my, my true friends were yeah. because I couldn't go out. I couldn't make plans to go out. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stick to plans. Even if I, if I felt good, I could feel so good. So you're always letting people down. Absolutely. I'll see you at seven o'clock. No sign. I, I, could, I could feel great up until half six and then at five to seven, I would be hit with, with a pain or, or, or the fatigue and I wouldn't be able to move off the couch. Now, what was the turning point? Because you're clearly not in that space now. No, I'm very fortunate that everything has turned around. But the first point of contact was I actually did a self-management course with Arthritis Ireland. Um, it, it was my, my sister saw an ad in the newspaper, uh, put me in touch and I did a self-management course there. And that was what really started me. I met other people who were in the same position as me. I understood that young people could get arthritis. I understood that there was different degrees of impact on your life and I began to realise that I could improve and that was really the starting point was getting that support around me. Now, what about treatments? Because that's you're hoping there's some miracle treatment that will alleviate pain um, improve your movement, all of that kind of thing. What, what was available then? What is available now? So I, I'm very fortunate uh, in, in one sense that I was diagnosed when I was, that there were uh, di- treatments such as uh, biologic medications and things that are really advanced and the research that's been done over the years has, has made a difference so that I don't have to um, be as worried as I was about deformed hands or, or nodules or, and things like that that I would have seen pictures of and it still happens to people which is so unfortunate but it's the, the chances are much less now because I have such good treatments that are available to me. Okay and you're in a happy place work wise and family wise? I'm absolutely flying it. I'm, I'm so happy I, I, thought I have a family I've, I have two lovely kids that I never thought would be possible and I'm now working with Arthritis Ireland which is such a fantastic way to help people who are in the same position I was and they don't have to feel as lost or as, as vulnerable mm. as I did. Yeah, but you've been there, done that, which makes the difference as an ambassador explaining to people. It, I don't even have to tell them. It's there in the voice. It's there in what I, te- in what I say. They can hear the authenticity in what I say. Yeah. And you've travelled uh, with this message as well. Yeah, I, I, it's another uh, silver lining to having a diagnosis of, of arthritis. I'm, I'm a, a real passionate advocate uh, for both the employment and getting back to work or staying in work with arthritis and also for young people and particularly young men talking about their 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 mental health with arthritis because it can impact on on your mental health as well so i've been traveling all over europe i'm the the chair of a european patient organization now and this gives me an opportunity to share that story but also to inspire and hopefully model to people what is possible and that you can get through it it's very tough at the beginning it can be very tough at times when you have a flare and things get get bad again but there is a possibility to get through it come out the other side and to to live a fulfilling life uh, on, yeah. on the other side 
Well, uh, listening to that with us in studio is uh, Dr. John Stack, consultant rheumatologist at the Matter Hospital. Uh, John, good morning. Thanks. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Now, uh, let's talk about what it is and, you know, how many people will get it over a lifetime. Okay, so I suppose in terms of uh, arthritis, we kind of divide it into two types, uh, inflammatory arthritis or kind of degenerative arthritis, uh, wear and tear or osteoarthritis, which a lot of people get to some extent as we get older. Uh, some are unfortunate and they get it more earlier uh, than others. But in, ter- in terms of inflammatory arthritis as rheumatologists, that's the kind of disease that we are probably focused on the most because this is probably the most severe form of arthritis or destructive that can lead to significant disability. Now, what's happening in the body when arthritis strikes? So it's, you, your body is basically attacking itself and predominantly the joints, but it's very much, it can be a multi-systemic disease and there's different types of inflammatory arthritis. And I think a, an important message to get across, which Peter can attest to, is that it can affect all age groups. So we even have paediatric rheumatology colleagues working in Cromlin and, and Temple, Temple Street. So it is um, something that can affect all age groups. And today's World Arthritis Day. So um, it's important to kind of get the message out there as to what the, the symptoms that people should look out yeah. for. So Peter mentions uh, pain and fatigue. But another uh, very important um, symptom is early morning stiffness. So if you get early morning stiffness, for example, in the small joints of your hands, uh, that can be the first sign of rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. And we know that the sooner you see a rheumatologist and get on treatment, the better. So if any of your listeners have stiffness in the morning lasting for 30 minutes or longer, they should consider going to their GP or they should go to their GP. Now, and get are you saying that if someone couldn't clench their fist, for example? Yeah, usually it's in the morning. The difficulty opening their hands in the morning or it might be their knees. Um, you, can, you can also get inflammatory back pain, which can be the first sign of a disease called ankylosing spondylitis. So you might have difficulty getting out of the bed in the morning because of stiffness. Now, the stiffness lasting for a couple of minutes is normal, but if it's lasting for 30 minutes or longer, and sometimes it can last throughout the day, uh, then that's often the earliest, the first sign of inflammatory arthritis. And then that can prode- progress to pain, swelling and severe debilitating fatigue. So often we do see patients coming through to us quite late. Uh, so we're trying to kind of promote awareness that they get referred early and they get treated early. Now, what Peter was talking about is the difficulty in getting a, a diagnosis. Now, that is way back in 2011, wasn't it? So we're talking uh, more than a decade ago. Is it easier now with all the scanning that's available? Can you see it on a scan? Well, you can. So we use ultrasound a lot in the clinic, um, which uh, point of care ultrasound, so we can look at the blood flows through the joint. And if there's increased blood flow, that is a sign of um, subclinical inflammation. So sometimes we'll see patients, for example, and they may have seen their GP or put them on steroids and the steroids will diminish the inflammation. So it's not as obvious when we see it, but if we put the ultrasound machine on, we can actually see the inflammation there ourselves and the patient can see it with us in clinic. Um, there's, there has historically been underinvestment in rheumatology services in Ireland, but in the last couple of years, there has been substantial investment. So there has been more resources put into departments up and down the country. So we should really be moving to a phase where we can see patients within six to eight weeks or sooner of the referral time. Now, uh, Peter was talking about the various drugs that are available and, uh, you know, talking to Luke O'Neill on this programme about some of the breakthroughs that Mm. are threatening, you know, Mm. for autoimmune conditions. Generally, there might even be vaccines that will come along that will do this job. But uh, at at the moment, what's uh, the state of art medication that's available? Yeah, we have a huge array of treatments um, which are largely quite safe so long as that they are monitored. There are some precautions that are obviously needed as with all medication, but by and large, these are, especially with the biologic therapies that Peter mentioned, they're kind of tailored kind of treatments that have been kind of developed specifically to target uh, specific inflammatory proteins that are active in, say, for example, rheumatoid arthritis. 
We also have drugs that have been around for a long time, which we have, you know, a huge amount of uh, data on, such as methotrexate, which we call our anchor drug for rheumatoid arthritis. And there's a lot of bad press about methotrexate because... That's used in chemo. That's true, yeah. And it was used in chemo originally with like, but the doses would be hundreds of times what we would use it in rheumatoid. So we're using very low kind of uh, immunomodulatory doses as opposed to immunosuppressing doses. So... Yeah, that's the kind of the, the main drug we would initiate usually with people. And if they don't respond, then we would quickly escalate to a biologic drug usually. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Peter mentioned flare-ups. Yeah. Is, that, is it episodic? Yeah, so, I mean, it depends on the, the condition. But um, so, uh, yeah, rheumatoid arthritis, for example, is characterised by, um, you know, uh, relapsing and remitting disease. Uh, so you'll have, well, if it's untreated, it can go, it can, can, the flare-ups can just last and perpetuate mm-hmm. continuously. But... Uh, usually the treatment uh, for rheumatoid would, would involve some form of long-term therapy to kind of keep the disease in remission. Hmm. And therefore, you can keep it in remission. I mean, you can live a yeah, normal can, life without chronic can, pain. Yeah, you can, of course. Yeah, And I think that so the prognosis nowadays is much better than it was, say, you know, 10 or 15 years ago before the advent of biologics. You know, back in the 90s, uh, people with inflammatory arthritis died young from their disease in their 60s and 70s because they would get premature um, atherosclerosis. They die from heart attacks and strokes prematurely. They'd also get infections more frequently. Um, another disease to mention just is gout, actually. So gout is the commonest form of inflammatory arthritis. It affects about 2% of the population. It's a very, very painful, uh, destructive arthritis. And people often describe, they feel like they're, they've fractured their foot, for example. It often starts in the big toe. And there's a big stigma about gout because you may have heard this expression, uh, gout is the disease of kings and the king of diseases, which kind of plays into this trope that uh, it's brought on by oneself through eating red meat, shellfish, drinking lots of red wine. But actually we know now that the main determinant of gout is your genetic risk profile. So gout is not your fault and it's a very treatable disease. But because there's this stigma about it, there is this kind of shame attached to it and therefore patients who have gout don't seek treatment. Mm. There are always, and already on the screen, some suggestions that um, your susceptibility to arthritis might be due to your diet. Do you? Well, I think that's the perception with gout, um, but actually the studies have shown that if you modify the diet, it doesn't actually really alter the course of the disease. Uh, you need to go on a tablet, which is called, well, the, the main tablet is allopurinol, which is it, it's, it's, it's a urate-lowering therapy. Gout is caused by, by having too much urate in our systems. And we excrete urate through our kidneys and some are better at excreting it than others. Um, Some of the the other questions uh, coming in. I'm 43. I've had five trigger fingers in six months and now on my sixth, bad finger pain, pins and needles almost every hour of the day. Is that likely to be... Potentially, I think, yeah. So trigger fingers can be a sign of what we would call tenosynovitis, which is inflammation of the tendon sheath. So you should see a rheumatologist if you're getting it that frequently. Uh, you can get tenosynovitis, which can be mechanical as well. So yeah. you often see typists, for example. Let's see somebody in. to make sure you get it yeah. properly diagnosed. Yeah. I got postpartum rheumatoid arthritis on my first baby. I have a medical background and even I was surprised that that could happen. Thankfully, it was self-limited and I'm fine now. But I have a new level of empathy with rheumatoid arthritis patients. It's an all-consuming condition. Um, the root cause of arthritis is inflammation. The reason that it affects all age groups is that there's no root cause. Uh, because the cause will be different for everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, there are risk factors for rheumatoid arthritis. So certainly genetics is um, one component, but also smoking, we know, is, a, is an independent risk factor for developing rheumatoid, as is gum disease. 
Um, so it's important to look after your dental mm. health. As well. uh, a couple more. I'm 40. Sometimes I struggle to grip the handlebars of my bike or a knife while I'm chopping. My fingers just feel cramped up. Could that be? Could it be arthritis? Possibly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Is it possible to get rheumatoid arthritis in the jaw? I'm on methotrexate for my hand. The dentist showed no issue on an x-ray. Yes, if you've got rheumatoid arthritis, it can affect your temporomandibular joint, which is your jaw, yeah. All right. So yeah. Uh, as a resource, where do yeah. people go to get more info? Well, I suppose, well, I suppose the first point is your rheumatology department and we have, we have uh, doctors and nurse specialists who can give information, but also Arthritis Ireland is a very important wealth of information and they promote uh, things like Peter's promoting, which is peer support, which is, uh, I think, patients find very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing to mention is exercise. So there's a programme called XWELL, um, run by a sports and exercise physician, Noel McCaffrey. So these, it's basically uh, medically supervised exercise programmes for people with chronic illness, not just arthritis, but any kind of illness which is stable. Uh, and they run these um, exercise classes in GA clubs and community centres up and down the country. Uh, so you can get your GP or your, uh, your health professional to refer to these classes. Well, thank you very much uh, to Dr. John Stack, consultant rheumatologist at the Matter Hospital in Dublin, and also to Peter Boyd, Arthritis Ireland Services Support Officer and uh, brilliant ambassador for the condition. Thank you both very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.